0: Hey everyone, welcome to Shift, or welcome back if this isn't your first time here. Shift is a daily podcast where the thoughts and insights presented center around shifting expectations and being in a constant state of growth. I believe that radical accountability requires true vulnerability. Hopefully you find value in the content presented, and if so, I hope that you'll visit the website togetherweshift.com and check out some of the other resources available in the tools section. Now, let's get to it. All right, here we go. Welcome to Shift, everybody, the podcast where we talk about radical accountability and true vulnerability and how those two things are not separated. They are a part of the same. With me today is my dear, dear friend, my brother, Kai Nix. I've known Kai for a couple of years now, and he has been both a mentor and a friend and a confidant and someone that I could lean on when things were not necessarily going the way I wanted. And somebody who has honestly always been in my corner. So uh, we're going to get into all sorts of things about masculinity, about being a being a, a male in the 21st century, raising children. Kai and I are the polar opposites when it comes to the fatherhood spectrum because Kai's got a child <laughs> and I've got eight. <laughs> so it looks a little different for the two of us, but we our core beliefs and and what what that means are very similar. So with that, my man, welcome to Shift. Thank you for being here.
1: Oh man, so good to be here with you, brother. Shift is amazing. You're amazing. I'm just blessed and thankful that. You picked up the phone and said, "Kai, jump on this with me. And, I'm, I'm you know, it's my pleasure, actually, because like you said, it. we all brothers. We're family, actually. We're not yes, friends. Yes, we are. I am a part McCoy. So um, <laughs> and I think we've known each other a little longer than two years now. It's been, a little no, it's longer, been more than
0: two. Yeah, it's probably been, it's five, been five or six years. A little
1: longer than two years now. Yeah,
0: it's been a minute. <laughs> it's been a minute for sure. Um, so let's start with you. Let's start with who you are, what you're about. Born and raised in New
1: York City. Yes, sir. Born and raised in New York City. Uh, grew up in Manhattan, the Big Apple, the concrete jungle. Uh, was kind of a spoiled kid. Believe oh. it or not, you might not know this. Blake.
0: I did not You're know this.
1: A little bit of a spoiled kid. I was the only child. You know, no brothers, yeah. no sisters. Um, mom and dad. Mom did well. She had her own business. Dad was like the top leading graphic designer at a magazine called Scholastic, Scholastic oh. magazine. So he was the top designer there. So uh mom and dad were doing okay money wise. So <laughs> I kinda got spoiled as a kid. All right.
0: There. So that that uh, magazine I used to get in the mail with, with all the kids stuff. That was your pops.
1: And everything that was yeah. my
0: dad all that back in this the day. This is off topic. You remember Peachy folders? I know you do. Uh
1: huh. Uh huh.
0: They they just put that out on a line of T shirts. Oh really? I was like, everybody in my house was like, "What is that?" Because they're all young. <laughs> and Carrie and I both were like, "This is the coolest thing ever."
1: Right.
0: right elastic. Right. I used to roll up. We used to get those. Had all the little Q and A's and the games in the back and the and the articles. I don't um, remember those. Yeah. That's, a, that's a way back machine right there.
1: That's way back. That's way back. So, yeah, my dad did that. He was like the lead artist there um, for a while. And, you know, I'm a kid who was into sports. I was into everything. But I grew up in Harlem. So I knew basketball, football, and I knew baseball, but played very little baseball. So basketball and football was my go-to. Uh, nice. So I played that at an early age, um, competitively. And started riding motorcycles at 14. I got my first motorcycle at 14 years old. So I've been riding. That's like my passion. And I love doing that. uh, Just riding bikes. And used to do a little bit of motocross and everything. So bikes, I live for bikes. Nice. I live for bikes. Um, My dad and mom separated as I was going to be a freshman in high school. So 14, my mom and dad started ways. Uh, Still loved each other, just kind of fell out of love. But uh, the great thing about that is even though when they separated, my dad still played a large role in my life. He was always still there. So if a holiday rolled around, my dad was there for Thanksgiving. My dad was there for Christmas, all the big holidays. They were separated. So that was important. Um, so, yeah, mom took the reins, though, and she raised this, uh, I think, this, I was scrawny back in the day. So let me make this clear. That may I was be hard to believe, I was, watching this. I was soaking wet, 130 pounds soaking wet. Um, and, uh, but playing sports, I, I just had this drive in me that I love sports, um, love playing basketball, love football. Love football more so than basketball. And, you know, you have this dream or you want to go to the league. I think all kids yep. have that at some point. Like, I want to play professional sports. I want to be I want to be in the NFL. And that yeah, quickly man. blew my mind because I was like, okay, I'm not big enough. So <laughs> that's not going to happen. Um, but, yeah, great, great, great upbringing. Great upbringing with my mom. We had a summer home up in the country. Uh, one Special thing about my dad is that uh, he taught me to fish. He took me fishing for the first time when I was 18 months old.
0: Really? Okay. Months
1: old, my, my father was an avid fly fisher. Yeah, so, I know you love to fly fish. Oh, my dad was an avid fly fisherman. So you have to think this black guy from Harlem and his thing is fly fishing. So uh, he taught me that. Um, and introduced me to fishing at a very early age. And then once I got was able to pick up a fly rod, he put a fly rod Man. in my hand and I've been fly fishing ever since. So that's awesome. That's one thing I will always cherish about my father, that Man. he built that to me. And you know, you know the well, let me show you. I just got this tattoo, you can't see it, but it's a dedication to my father in fishing. And I got another one on my chest dedicated uh to my father in fishing. But uh, yes, very important role my father played with me. And one thing that I'm going to share with you and we're talking about being vulnerable, I'm not even sure if we we just started this conversation. Let's go dive right in. I'm getting deep with you right now, brother. And I don't want to start tearing up on this podcast. But uh, my father was such a positive role in my life growing up. you know, he passed away in 2003, and not by natural causes, not by sickness. You know, my my mm. dad was actually murdered. Mm. So, um. You know that hit hard for this guy, and I'll, I'll tell you this story on how that day happened, and it's it's one of these stories that will, like, it always signs in my head real bright. So we would go fishing every weekend, my dad and I, uh, we would go upstate to our favorite lake. And we had plans to go fishing one Saturday. And it was in, like I said, it was in 2003. Uh, my daughter at that time was six years old. And we'll get into my daughter, but she was six years old at the time. So it was my mom and my daughter. And we were going to pick up my dad who lived in Harlem. He had his own apartment in Harlem. So we were going to go pick him up. He, he was ready, excited to go the night before, can't wait to get, can't, you know, my dad was always like, didn't have to ring his doorbell. He would be downstairs, bags packed, fishing pole in hand, ready to go. So it's Saturday and it's about nine o'clock in the AM. And I pick up my mom from where she lived, so i had my daughter with me i pick up my mom and we i call my dad to tell him all right we're on our way over there be downstairs and he didn't pick up the phone and i was like wow okay he must be downstairs or something and i called him i called him like three times then the phone just rang and rang and i was like he must be downstairs so i went to his block into it in front of his building And he was not in front of his building. So I called him again. No answer. I'm like, this is so odd right now. This is not like my father. So I was like, all right, I tell my mother, I'm going to go upstairs and knock on the door. So I go upstairs, and I'm knocking on the door. No answer. I'm like, where could my father possibly be? He knows. That we're going fishing today. He never misses a fishing day, so he must. I'm like in my head. I'm like he must have went to the store around the corner. So I'm knocking, knocking. Go downstairs. We waited for about 30 minutes for him to come back. Never came back. Wow. So I tell my mom. I'm like, all right. I don't know where my father's at. This is weird. He must have had something to do. I'm not sure why he didn't tell me he had something to do, but he's not around. Let's still go fishing. So we left my dad behind and my mom and DJ, just me and my mom and DJ went up fishing that day. So I go fishing, like literally, no lie, Keith, I always catch fish. Always. Even if it's one or two fish, I always Always catch
0: fish, yeah. I've seen the pictures. You always have that's why I don't fish, I never catch nothing
1: because <laughs> you know I'm always hooking them up. And I go up there literally from about 11 o'clock to about four o'clock, not one fish, nothing, not even a bite, nothing, not even a bite. Wow, so I'm like what is going on today? My dad's not here. couldn't get in touch with him. I'm not, I don't haven't even had a bite all day. So he left no fish caught the entire day, drive back down to the city. I go back to my dad's house, go back there, call him again. No answer. I go upstairs. And as soon as I go upstairs, I see yellow police tape all around his door. And I'm like, what the freak is going on right now. Yellow police tape, it's all taped up. So I go to the local precinct right after that and come to find out, they, I did, they said, it's your father, Leroy Nix. And I was like, yeah, that's my dad's name. And the detective was like, sit down. And he told me my dad was murdered in his apartment. It was a break-in and he was stabbed. Wow. He was stabbed. And he didn't make it. And I walked out of that precinct. I didn't cry. I held it in. My mom was a a wreck. My daughter was crying. And I didn't cry that day. And this is the point in time where I was running health clubs in New York City. I was running Gold's Gym. And I called the owner. I let him know what happened. He was like, take as much time as you want. As much time as you want. Don't worry about it. We got the gym. We'll hold it down. And I was like, thank you. I went back to work two days later. Because I couldn't stay home. Because it was constantly on my mind.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So I was like, I got to go back to work. To keep my mind busy. And by doing that, I didn't cry regarding my dad's death for about a year and a half, really about a year and a half. I didn't, Just held it in. Te- I didn't let tears flow. I held all that pain, all that anger in, you know, I would get mad like this at the yeah. simplest thing. I would get mad at something. It was like, it was tough on DJ because she would do something. and. I would get mad like that.
0: Yeah, just like. So what's up. mad? What is what is a mad Kai Nix look like at that period? Are you? Oh are you man! A
1: screaming, Kai yelling, Nicks. throwing stuff, just shutting down. Like what does um, that look like? When it comes to my daughter, a lot of yelling, <laughs> lots of yelling. Yep. Um, that's all I. That's all I ever did with my daughter. I never hit my daughter, but always yelled. Like the fear of the yell with my yeah. daughter, and it was just so much going on that uh, like a year later i was just driving and i pulled over on the road and i think i cried keith for about 2 hours man wow it all came out it like i cried on the side of the road for about 2 hours i like i was crying so much it was hurting yeah like i was it was really painful yeah. cuz i was crying so much and it all came out at that point and I was like, wow, I've been holding this in for so long. And, you know, it's a, it's unfortunate, not all men, but a lot of men tend to hold things in. Yeah. They tend to lock things up in their heart. Yeah. And don't let things out and express themselves or let someone else know what's going yeah. on. So they'll let it build up and build up. And it gets to the point where they start taking that out on others. They don't know where to release that energy. And the only way to release it is on somebody else and project that on something.
0: It's got to go somewhere, right? Like we talk about it all the time, like in mass and energy, it all exists, right? And so if you take it all in, eventually it's got to come out. And, you know, I mean, you do a lot of coaching and mentoring, so you've probably heard this. And I can't remember where, where I heard, I think it might've been Kirk Duncan, where he talks about the root often looks different than the fruit. Right. And so like me yelling at you or my daughter or somebody at the grocery store because I'm frustrated over like the price of something or not getting great customer service has nothing to do with that. Right. That's the fruit. The root of it is I'm not dealing with my other stuff with like the real issues. Right.
1: Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So um, that is something that took a toll on me, you
0: know, did that uh-huh. dri- help drive you to become? Because I only know like the reason I ask what a what an angry Kai looks like is because I've never seen you mad. Like yeah, you're no, one a, of the I'm, most
1: happy, I'm positive, smiling, always upbeat. And and that's the thing that it was night and day with me. So mostly I'm I got my day face on. I'm smiling. <laughs> I'm laughing. okay. But when back then. If I got to that point, it would be nights, it would be a thunderstorm. Mm. It would be hail. Cause I would get so angry and let it all out. Yeah. And so you know, DJ so my mom even my mom would say to me, like, wow, like, yeah, that side of you is not good, Kai. You like yeah. that's not a good side of you. Cause but if she was, was to not- tell
0: somebody like, Oh, this is what happened with Kai people that didn't know that side of you, they'd be like, no, I just can't even see that happen. And there's just no way. It's always this.
1: Exactly. Exactly.
0: You know, my mother, my birth mother, she was murdered when I was three. And, Mm. and I was told as a young child that she committed suicide. Mm. And they, I guess they thought that would be easier for me to understand. Or that's what actually what the police report says. But um, in my twenties, I was able to, Really, look into it and find out the truth and and discover that she wasn't she didn't take her own life that that she was actually killed in a in a a brawl at a bar and so like I relate to that heavily
1: you can relate yes, you can
0: for sure and i i mean man till I was probably thirty something, I used that as an excuse to drink and to not be present for my kids at the time like you know it's it can be really hard if you don't have I was lucky in the sense that my addiction to running from my problems manifested in alcohol. Mm -hmm. And I got to a place where it was like, I was going to lose my kids.
1: Right. If I
0: didn't get my act together. And so I chose to do that and it was hard and it, but it was necessary. And then, you know, my marriage held together and I'm lucky that I've been with the same woman for as long as I have. And we've got a bunch of kids, you know, a bunch more kids now, but so many people like your situation is unique because a lot of people who bottle that stuff up, they will try to numb the pain through alcohol, drugs, food, sex. Um yeah. I'm curious if I if I could if I could ask do you feel like maybe at some uh, maybe during that time you used like work as the as the thing like you said like you work, kept
1: yeah, work was work was my vice at that point. I just needed to be work working and working out
0: Yeah, because you were running, not nightclubs, we were running running health clubs in New York City. So
1: I would go early in the morning, drop DJ off at school. Mm. I would get to the gym. I wouldn't leave until late at night and pick up my, and I want to get into a whole situation about my daughter. But, you know, that was my vice of coping with things was, you know, really working a lot, working out to get my mind off of that. And I was in one relationship where, man, I mean, she would do stuff and I would just like lose it because I couldn't understand some of the things she used to say, how she used to do things. And I used to just lose it. And I'm like, and we were together for like four years. Mm. And it got to a point where I was like, this is not working because you're going to drive me crazy. (laughs) I'm driving you crazy. We got to, we just got to stop and separate and break. So, um, and that was during the time where I was holding all this stuff in, I was still holding this stuff in, you know, I will not talk about my dad's death or him being murdered. It didn't, it didn't, I really didn't say that my dad was murdered till about, 2017. Really? I actually said that in public to people that I didn't know. Yeah. That, you know, my dad was murdered. And I was like, I would never say that. I would just say my dad passed away.
0: Did you find it to be really empowering to, like, be honest
1: about? It felt felt like a huge weight off my chest when I actually said that out to people that I really didn't know that, Hey, you know, I lost my dad. My dad was murdered. And I was like,
0: Ooh, yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. I think, I think a lot of men don't recognize it. Like the sooner you talk about the problem, it just feels better. It just, it, it, like you said, it was like this huge weight off your shoulders and I think we build up this idea that like, if we say something, people are going to judge us a certain way or look at us a certain way. And sometimes it's just, we don't want to face the truth. Right. So like we talk about shit, we, we talk about shift and some people may not know this, but like you participated in the first live event, that was the catalyst to become the podcast. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I mean, it was great because I opened the show and I'm pretty, and, and you, you was like the second to last speaker before, before Justin and just, like brought the house down with your energy and all of that. And that moment, when I did my, when I did my presentation that day, I shared something about myself that I had never told, like my wife didn't know. Yeah. I remember. I walked <laughs> off the stage and she looked at me like, what? I and remember. it was like, whoa I didn't mean to say it. I wasn't trying to go there, but like it needed to, it, it was like, it had just it was ready to come out. And it was, you know, something that for me, it was like, you know, I had dealt with it and I could speak about it without getting emotional. And so I felt like I had healed it. And at the same time, it's like part of vulnerability and intimacy isn't just like the physicality of it. Like I then had to go have a conversation with my wife about something from my past that she was like, Show, who are they? So I can go kick their ass for you. <laughs> like right. she, like she was upset and then she was like mad at me. Like why? Did, and I was like, you know what, but I, I kind of had put it out of my head. I just hadn't even thought about it. And it's crazy when you can share with others because I had so many people come up to me after that and tell me, you know, I've been through that similar situation or I've experienced that. And like, thank you for saying something like, it's crazy. Cause we all think, you know, people don't want to hear our stuff. Yeah. But the reality is, like, you sharing your story is going to empower someone else to heal.
1: Exactly. Exactly. It's so and important. It's so important. And, you know, us as men, you know, we, we we're taught at a very early age to really suppress our feelings mm-hmm. unknowingly by our parents. Yeah. You know, and I'm not talking about all little boys, but a lot of little boys, you know, it's about suck that up. Yep. Don't cry. Don't Walking you off. don't you cry? Toughen up. Yep. You know? I'm guilty of that. I'm guilty you know, of toughen really... up. Don't you cry. Yep. And you build this, you build up this armor around your heart that yeah, when you get older, you don't share a lot of stuff. It's like I'm tough. I I can hold this in. Yeah. I don't need to share this what's pain, what's hurting me right now with you. Like I'll I'll figure it out on my own. And you know, and we we're taught that at early ages as boys, you know, and girls are like, you know, they're taught to speak your speak to me. Speak to me, little one. Tell me what's on your mind. Yeah. Where boys, I don't want to hear it. You be tough and don't you care. Let me see a tear come out that eye. So um, as you get older, you tend to like, and I, I'm so, I feel for a lot of women, you know, because uh, a lot of women have to deal with that. A lot of women have to deal with the shutdown from that. Yeah. You know, um, they're not speaking, they're not communicating, they're not sharing. And, I really got into that at the later stages in my life. Like yeah. I've held in so much. I mean, I'm a great guy, but I've just, I hold a lot of, I held a lot of stuff. in. Yeah. And, um, not just surrounding my dad, but just stuff that I needed to get out and share. I and- feel
0: like, and, and maybe I'm projecting here, but I, I have this, and I think most people do. Right. So growing up in Harlem, that that just right there gives me an image, you know, and and I, you know, to be honest, I don't know how old you are, but I'm just kind of like putting numbers together. So like that puts you, growing up in Harlem, like in the early to late '80s, like hip hop's rolling out. Hip hop is out, and like so the, the like just the the background you're giving me, it, you know, you're both your parents are professionals. Like we ain't got time to feel stuff. We got to get to work. We got to do stuff. You're growing up in Harlem. It's not really like, you know, growing up maybe in like San Francisco where everybody's hanging out, talking about their feelings, drinking coffee. I
1: was growing up in suburbia, New York.
0: Yeah. I had this
1: dynamic of, you know, successful, not successful, but good, good off, you know, well to do parents. And Harlem back then, it was a little tough. You had to be tough. And you couldn't really show. How yeah. soft or vulnerable soft. You were That's as a little it. kid growing up. You know, you had to be tough because yeah. a lot of the surrounding elements were not like my situation. A lot yeah. of the surrounding elements around me were fatherless households. Yeah. Single mom households. Yeah. So, you know, kids out on the corner till weeze a night, to the wee hours of the night. Yep. And you know, I gotta be in as soon as the, the lights come on.
0: Yeah. So how did it's you beautiful. avoid,
1: how did you avoid like,
0: cause I grew up, so I grew up in Las Vegas, but I grew up in, in the hood part of Las Vegas. When mm-hmm. I met my wife, we drove through my old neighborhood and she was like, I didn't even know this existed. <laughs> like she right. was like, I didn't know this part of town. So yeah. I grew up, I was the minority. Like I was, I lived in a predominantly black and, 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 you know, Latinx neighborhood where I, I was the minority. I would get beat up for being, in the neighborhood like why are you over here and i was like well i live four houses over there right like so i'm curious how you know and i'm sure your parents you know affluence had something to do with it but you still want to fit in you still want to do the thing how do you avoid the gangs and the violence and that sort of thing in harlem in that time you know dude that culture
1: yeah not for nothing you said parents you know Parents had everything to do with it, in my opinion. Okay. You know, what my mom and my dad instilled in me as a kid growing up was, like, I knew the clear difference of right and wrong. Mm. You know, I knew what was going to get me in trouble and what was going to keep me out of trouble. Yeah. My, my mother taught me that. My dad taught me that. And, you know, I always when I look at kids who are getting into trouble and they're doing this and they're doing wrong, it all starts in the household. And I was fortunate enough to have a two, a father and mother household until I was 14, but my father was always present after that. You know, a lot of kids don't have that and they have the single mother and they don't have the father figure, Yeah, which is tough. But there are a lot of strong mothers out here. And I know there's a lot of amazing kids who know the difference between right and wrong. Like, if you're home and you're, you know, a six-year-old kid and your mom curses all day, every day, and that's her normal language, you're going to curse. That's your normal language. Like, my mom, I didn't grow up cursing. Because the first time I cursed, A neighbor heard me curse and told my mother and she beat the fire out of me. She beat the living fire out of me. And I was like, okay, I don't suppose to do that. That's the thing I don't do. (laughs) I don't do that. You know, when I was, had to be six or seven, I stole a quarter out of my mother's pocketbook without asking her. Mm. She got me again. Like, okay i don't supposed to take stuff that's not mine that's just not what you do like it's it was all about my mother and father and that's the way that's what kept me sane and out of trouble from the elements that surrounded me yeah like this was the time of drug dealers in harlem all over the place yeah money you know the fancy cars and all of this, yeah. wads of money, and yep.
0: and the, the big would, watches, the chains, the whole nine, yeah. all yeah. of that.
1: I saw yep. all of that, but I knew when it got dark. All right, I gotta go. I gotta yeah. go upstairs. I'm, and you know, other friends would stay out to the wee hours. i like, I gotta go. My mom, if I don't go upstairs, my mother's gonna come downstairs and be looking yeah. for. Me. So my mom was just leaving now. So she taught me the she was an instrumental part of me staying out of trouble and me staying on the right path. So it was all about my parents.
0: Yeah. I love that. That's a really good. Um, it's so interesting because for me, like very not so, not that. And, you know, part of the reason why I got sober and I got, you know, and did this complete 180 in my life was because my upbringing was not like that. And, and even though, Carrie and I were struggling as a couple, I was like, I will not be an, you know, an absent father. I will not, you know, I don't know how my marriage is going to go. I'm, I was hoping it would come together, but like, you know, I grew up, my dad was married three times. Like I have three sisters and none of us have the same two parents. And, hmm. and, you know, and that there's no judgment behind that because we all turned out great. And at the end of the day though, it was like, I wasn't going to be, you know, that dad. Right. And, and, but I also didn't expect my marriage to to last because I didn't have anybody in my circle like you talk about your parents. Like I didn't have anybody in my circle whose parents stayed together. So it was like marriages just don't work. Like it's cool. Like it's a thing people do and divorce is just part of that equation. Right. But for me it was like I've got to figure out how to show up as a dad and and you know, I, luckily I was able to do that and be able to repair that relationship with my two youngest children and my wife. And we've, you know, we've got eight kids now, but we've been together 25 years. And I'm curious though, because, you know, it's a good segue into you and your daughter. Like she didn't have that experience. You, you raised her on your own from what I understand, like
1: mostly. Yeah. Yeah. Big time, man. Um, I, I applaud you for eight deep with that beautiful wife <laughs> of yours. That is to be commended. For sure. <laughs> I'm not sure
0: commended or condemned.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, one of the medals. two. That's worth <laughs> that's worth medals. You need the you and, <laughs> you both need to receive medals for that. So, um, yeah, uh, I raised my daughter on my own. Uh, I was with her mother. We were often on dating. We went together, but often we would fight, break up get back together. I knew this wasn't going anywhere. (laughs) Um, We were just two different people. She was lazy. I was a go-getter. And I always think about that day like I broke up with her and then a weekend later she calls me and she's like let's go somewhere. I just want to take you somewhere. I know we're not together but I want to take you somewhere. And I was like oh. (laughs)
0: Reeling <laughs> Exhausted,
1: reeling me back in. So I was like, okay, cool. So I go, um, had some tequila, and lo and behold, hey, <laughs> you never know. I was having a kid coming. Ah, you crapped out. Oh, what did I just do? I've been safe all this time, in this one yep. time, I'm not safe, and I got a kid coming. So no more tequila for Kai. No more tequila, for sure. <laughs> that is banned from the list. <laughs> tequila is a no. No. <laughs> so I got this kid coming now, and I'm like, and at this time, I'm like this hot rock star bartender in one of the hottest nightclubs in New York City, and I'm the bar manager, and we had the hottest club in New York City that it was always packed and i am the only male bartender there and i was truly living like a rock star like i have my own place i'm making like a thousand a week bartending back in the day yep i have a motorcycle i have a truck i'm like living it living and now i find out i have this kid coming Mm. like okay so my daughter, we, and once again, we were not together during this whole pregnancy. I was like, we're, we're, I'll be there, but we're not together. Yeah. So June 16th, 1997 comes, DJ was born. My daughter's name is Dejana, Dejana Jordan, but everybody, I've been calling her DJ since she was a baby. DJ was born and she comes out and I'm like, Holy smokes. And I'm bowling like a baby, crying. And I'm like, wow. I was like, okay. And I'm looking at the mom, and I'm like, okay, maybe we should try to make this work. Mm. Knowing in my head that it's not going to work, but maybe babies. we should try to make this work at least. Ba- babies do that to you, man. They mess maybe you all up. we should try up. to make this work, because <laughs> this is a good-looking baby right here. So, <laughs> so we tried to make it work for the first year, and mm. it was just... A year of arguing. And I was like, we can't do this. We're like, I'll do whatever I can, but we can't do this together. So we broke up officially. And, you know, I wasn't at every other weekend, dad. My daughter, my daughter stayed with me every weekend. Nice. Every, I would pick her up on Friday, I would bring her back on Sunday, every single weekend. And as she started getting older, she started going to kindergarten she was always late for kindergarten. I'm like, why is she always late for kindergarten? Like why is she, she gotta be there at nine. Why is yeah. she getting like 10 30, 10 o'clock? Like what's going on? I would ask her mother, she's like, oh, I'm, I'm, I just woke up late and da da da. And I'm like, all right, this really needs to stop. This needs to stop. Like she needs to get there on time. And when she was six, Going on seven, her mom called me and was like, I can't do it anymore. I just can't do it. And I'm like, do what? And she's like, I can't take care of DJ the way I need to take care of her. Because she was battling her own demons for a long time. Her own mental demons for a long time. And I was like, wow, okay, bring her to me. Packed up all the stuff, and I'm realizing that I'm about to be a full-time single dad right now. Yeah. So I was like, I can't bartend no more. I need to get a real job with some benefits. I got a kid coming (laughs) to live with me. Like, I can't be this rock star bartender, live this bartender life no more. So she started living with me and it was great and it was tough. And we're talking raising a daughter in New York City. And uh, I can point, only
0: imagine.
1: Yeah, at this point in time, I had just moved to Westchester. I was out of the city, but I was in Westchester. And I'm like, okay, this is really different. I, like, I really got to be on point with my stuff by myself. And I was figuring it out for the longest. You know, I was just messing up with her lunches, <laughs> figuring out the hair. And I was like, yeah. wow, this is so tough. And then, you know, it was to a point like, who do I bring home? You know, who do yeah. I, you had to be selective about that now? Where before oh, I was sure. just reliving it. I was just bringing people. Now I had to be selective on who was coming into the household being around my daughter. And thank God that my mother was very involved. Like whenever I needed a break, my mother was like, bring that, bring my granddaughter over here, please. And I was like, "Yeah, thank you. Oh my god, I need a mental break right now. And because I just needed to be me again. And I needed to go out and have a night out. Yeah, was yeah. A it's important.
0: yeah. And <laughs> so, we didn't talk about self-care back then. Like self-care uh, wasn't a oh thing.
1: And- it was like no self-care. And and you
0: sure as hell were talking about men doing self-care. Like, that wasn't wasn't a thing. Like, I'm not even sure that's still a thing, but.
1: (laughs) Seriously. So, you know, she would give me these breaks that I so desperately needed uh, with my daughter. But raising my daughter, uh, our relationship is inseparable. We have a father-daughter relationship that you can probably imagine if you just raised one or if you raise two daughters. Like, we have a bond that can't be broken. And I'm blessed for what she taught me as a Mm. man. You know, I had to grow up. Yep. Even though I had her a little later in life, I I, I really had to change a lot of the things that I was doing that was, quote, unquote, you know, young. I had to really up and step my game up yeah and she taught me so many things about myself on who i was as a person that wow um i'm raising a beautiful daughter by myself right now and as much as it is a challenge to me right now it's so incredible to be doing this right now, I wouldn't change it for the world. Yeah. I would not change it for the world. And, you know, we had our challenges, you know, she went through her challenges growing up as a teenager, you know, yeah. never had any real trouble with her except for, you know, not doing homework the way she should have been doing homework and, you yep. know, doing that in a couple of grades. But for the most part, she was an amazing kid growing up and yeah. I was and I always you always question yourself did you do a good wow. enough job did yeah. I do a good enough job raising you she's what 22 23 now 23 now she'd be 23. 24 24 in June this June
0: okay yeah and- so I got a 23 year old and a 21 year old so like having adult kids like that's a that's a whole other ball game because like you still I mean if you're like me like you're still dad like, I oh, still know way. what I'm talking about. Like, don't who you think you are. <laughs> right. No but like, she's an adult. Right. So like I look at my adult kids and I was like, I don't know what I would do that. I don't know that you should do that, but you're an adult. So I'm going to just love you and I'm going to be here if you fall. But it's hard. It's hard to keep my mouth shut and not, not tell yeah. them what to
1: do. And, and I think that's the way it will be. I don't know for how long, because, um, there's things that I still hold on. And I'm like, you don't do that. I'm telling you not to do that. And I have to check myself. And my mother's like, you have to let her grow. And even Zia, my wife is like, you have to let her grow up. She's 23. She's 22. Let her grow up. Let her make these decisions. Let her make some mistakes. But I'm like, I don't want her to make any mistakes. Yeah. I made mistakes. I'm trying to avoid why? her from making those mistakes. Yeah. It's like, this, listen, you know, I did it. Why why don't you trust me? <laughs> yeah, trust me. I made those mistakes. I'm yep, here to teach yep. you not to make those mistakes. But they're like, she needs to make mistakes so yeah. she can. And I'm like, I hear that also. But it's just the dad in me that yeah. it's I have to start pulling away and letting her make decisions. Yeah.
0: You know, yeah, let a it. it's a balance.
1: It's a balance. It's a balance. A hard balance because you don't want your kid to no. fail. You don't want to to see your kids struggle. So, you know, you're like, okay, I can fix that. Daddy will fix that. I will always fix it. And then, you know, but there's times where you have to let them grow up and become strong.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because, like, we kind of raise our kids. So, I'm in this weird position. And and I I know there's others like us out there. But, like, I've got two adult kids. I've got a teenager, a couple of preteens, and then some toddlers. So, I got, like, every – age group. So like some days I'm really focused on the adult kids. Some days I'm really focused on the toddlers. Some days I got to put my teenager dad hat on. (laughs) It's like, yo, can y'all, and they're all so different. And, but in our household, we kind of raise our kids. Like, I believe that people have like agency, like we're all sovereign individuals. Mm -hmm. And so we raise our kids that way. Like we, we give them the agency to like fall flat on their face within some boundaries, right? Like we try to keep them going and I, it's it's so funny to me cuz I have one child who's moved out of my house, he's got his own place, he's got a girlfriend, he's doing great and he's doing his thing. And then I have another adult child who lives at home and is working and is also doing great. It's just a different kind of great. And like I miss my son and I want him home and I want my daughter to leave so I can miss her. <laughs> like, yeah it's, yeah, it's like, it doesn't matter what they give me. I want almost like I want the opposite of what's going on because it's just all new and we're navigating it and it's just crazy. And I think that's part of the things that dads don't, or a lot of men don't do is lean into that and speak openly mm-hmm. about it. Like I tell my kids all the time, I don't know what I'm doing. Like yeah. I've never had a 14-year-old son in 2021 where there's Xbox, PlayStation, TikTok, Instagram, like all the things that are being thrown at him. I have no idea how to manage that
1: because it's never
0: happened before. Right. And I think a lot of a lot of dads maybe, and, and I'd love to get your your perspective on this i think they try to like like i'm stuck in the 1990s like i graduated high school in 1992 Uh so somebody mentioned something to me the other day about the 1950s and i was like well that was like 40 years ago and then i was like shit no that was 70 years ago
1: because i'm not (laughs) 18
0: anymore right like so i think a lot of us operate from like that that place of like when we were rock stars right like we were crushing Mm -hmm. it and then we just kind of lock into that thing. And we, we go, oh, wait, I really don't know what it's like to be 14 with all this stuff that he's dealing with.
1: True. Very true. And, you know, like at DJ's 23, and I'm still telling her at 23, I need to meet this guy first. <sighs> oh, my gosh. Like, she's 15, 16 years old. I'm like, bro. I need to meet him first. So, he needs to meet me first. Yeah, And I need to, and then I'm like, oh my Lord, this girl is 23 going on 24. And I'm yeah. saying I need to meet a guy she likes. There's things you don't know and you to probably don't
0: need to know. <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: But it's uh, hard. I'm, tr- I'm doing my best to get uh, out of that and pulling myself out of that and letting her be yeah. a woman. And, you know. There's so this this like you said. There's so many things now. You know, all we had to deal with back in the day were like, you know, Dude, we just went outside. Go out, go outside a little bit of TV. You know, like, and TV back and then was TV like TV was on, and you, that was yeah. It.
0: But it was and it was like if you missed it, you missed it. Like, you know, there was no binge watching. You didn't have like every type of entertainment on the planet at your fingertips. And, like, I heard so, I heard this thing the other day that really struck me. I was listening to Ryan Holiday do a podcast with uh, the former National Security Advisor, McMasters, I think is his name. And he talked about his daughter refers to her generation as the start my orange generation. because mm. like they can't even start their own orange. Like, they come to you like, here, start this for me. Because it's like everything is just so quick and it's all kind of spoon fed to to them. And And that's not everybody. I don't mean to generalize, you know. Not everyone is like that, but it kind of opened my eyes to like what my kids deal with and what is put in front of them constantly. Like I definitely like all my kids right now have zero tech. They're not allowed to have any technology. Their their Xbox is gone. The switch is gone. The phones are gone. All of it. Like they're on a, they're on a break because I just started getting all these attitudes and all this stuff. And I was like, all right, look, I'm cutting out all Y'all go play outside. My kids are at the park right now shooting hoops. Like you go play outside, you get outdoors. Yeah. Cause nowadays it's like, and you can't possibly monitor all of it. So it's kind of yeah. like all or nothing. Like, it's like, at least that's how I feel. I mean, you know, it's no, I, agree with much. You
1: on that. I totally agree with you on that. You know, when DJ, DJ is struggling right now to find herself. She doesn't know what to, she wants to do in life at 23. Yeah. she's Confused. She's like, Dad, I don't know what I want to do. She can contemplate it going like, I'm just going to go to the military because I don't know what to do. I don't know what I want to do. I have no idea what I want to do, what my passion is. And as a dad, that hurts because I I question myself, like, what did I, did I do something wrong in raising her? That could I have done something different raising her, you know? our leader on the right path, did I instruct her to do the right things? And like I said, she's great. She's an awesome, awesome young young lady. But when she struggles, it I, it reflects on me f- in my heart, because I feel yeah. like I did something wrong. Where I know she's just growing up and figuring things out. But yeah. like I said, as a parent, you never want to see your kids struggle. Yeah or you never want to see them in a place where it's like hurting them inside and they just can't figure it out because you're like, what did I do wrong? What did, where did I go wrong as a parent raising you? Yeah. So I'm always questioning myself about that. Whenever I she think, gets to that place.
0: I feel like as long as you I think, you, I think it'll never stop. Right. Cause we're, we, you care. Right. And I feel like, as long as we keep asking ourselves that, that means that we are continually looking for more solutions and looking to improve, right? So like, I mean, for me, I apologize to my kids all the time. I own the fact that like, I don't really know what I'm doing all the time. Mm-hmm. I have my experiences. I have things I can tell you. I can, I can try to protect you. But I feel like there's a tremendous amount of value in actually failing, And learning from your own mistakes and going okay well this is you know and so it's it's like that fine line between protecting them and just being there to catch them because they're only going to learn it truly when they experience it right Mm -hmm. but so it's it's interesting to me how we manage that and i feel like the more we can encourage other men to really open up about that and there's two parts of that that i want i want to kind of get into one of them is how you are working as a coach and a mentor. Cause I know you've launched a project in partnership with a couple other men that I kind of want to touch on and give an opportunity to share what that's about. Yeah. Um, but I also, I also am curious, um, how like that shows up in your current marriage, because like, I know you've remarried and you have like one of the most amazing people on the planet is a wife mm-hmm. and, I think a lot of men are married to women who aren't willing to have them be open. They want them to be open, but then when their husband opens up, they're like, Oh, (laughs) I don't know how to deal. Cause like we talked earlier, like women are kind of raised up dealing with their own emotions dealing with their own stuff. But I don't think women are really raised up in how to sit with a man who's emotionally available. They, They want it, but they don't know how to deal with it when it happens.
1: Correct. So and that that that's a great segue.
0: And that Yeah, a great... so j- dive into that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I met my incredible, incredible, beautiful wife in 2012, Zia Nix. And we met on match.com. Which I love about the fact that
0: y'all met online. like it's just the we, coolest thing.
1: We met on Match.com. She found me though. I wasn't searching for her. She found me and seeking me. Oh, out. You, you
0: gotta <laughs> so, hold on to that
1: flag, aren't I'm you? Hold on to that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we met on Match.com and you know, I, I saw a profile. I was like, Oh my god, this yeah, is beautiful, holy smokes. And she was doing Tai Chi on the beach, and I was like, Yeah. So of course I immediately reached back out to her and I was like, we need to meet ASAP. So she's a doctor, you know, she's a holistic chiropractor. She had her own practice in Manhattan and she was very successful at what she did. She was traveling the world as a holistic chiropractor, Um, lived in China, lived in Costa Rica. Um, Just an incredible, incredible individual. I never met anyone like my wife before ever. Um, and like you might have made a mistake, this was my first marriage. I've never been married before. So I didn't get married until later in life. Um, to be exact, we've been married. We're about to celebrate our seven year. So I was 44. Yeah. I got married at. Four, I waited forty four years to find the woman of my dreams. I was like, not, you know, I just wasn't gonna settle on anybody.
0: Well, not only that, but like whoever you married was gonna become, you know, DJ's stepmom.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. So like yeah, that took a, that played a lot. That's um, not about you no more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, that played a lot into for sure. It, you know, and. As much as I was doing incredible things prior to me, you know, I was running the health clubs and and just having a good DJ's older at this point and still dealing with her as a a teenager, but older now and, you know, living good. And she comes into the life, in my life, and I'm doing everything wrong as far as I'm working out every day. I'm looking amazing, but... As far as like toxicity in my body, oh my gosh. So she introduced me to a whole different world because when we met, she was just getting into doTERRA when we mm. met, the same time. We met in 2012. She started doing doTERRA in 2012. Okay. So she started, she introduced me to this whole new world of essential oils and, you know, an incredible life. How are you really supposed to live a healthy yeah. life? And I can tell you a funny story real quick. On our first date, I invite her over to my house, to my apartment. And, you know, DJ is at my mom's, chilling with my mom's. And I invite her over for a nice candlelight dinner. And I'm setting the mood in my place. I got the Glade plug-ins <laughs> all over Candles. the place candles all over the place. And the place is smelling amazing to me. And she walks through the door, takes one foot inside, and she's like, this is not going to work. I'm like, what? She's like, you are killing yourself. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm trying to kill her. <laughs> she's like, all this Artificial scented candles and plug-ins. These are so not good for you. And she gave me a essential oil class real quickly on our first date. And she wow. threw out all the candles, threw them in the, took out all the plug-ins, put everything in the bag, and threw everything in the garbage. And gave me a little essential oil class. And I was like, wow, you're a little crazy, but I like it. <laughs> I kind of dig it. <laughs> I like it. You're teaching me something new, but you're a little crazy, though.
0: Well, and that's yeah. some thats some bold confidence right there. Like, you were all over the dude's house for yeah. the first. Most she's women kidding. are going to be like, all like right, look, I'm going to suck it up. Or I'm going to be like, nah, yeah, she's, she's, she's going like
1: uh-uh. she so she like, to grab no. something. She was like, no. She was like, I need to teach this guy because I I'm, I'm, might stay with him for a little while. I like yeah, him. Let me teach this guy
0: something. Oh, uh, I love
1: it. I love so, it. Um that was our first date but and you know prior to that she truly introduced me to a world of personal development.
0: Yeah.
1: Um uh, I wasn't doing personal development work. You know, I would yeah. read a book here and there, but I wasn't really yeah developing myself personally every single day. Yeah, physically I yes. I wasn't, you know, going to seminars or retreats or anything. Um yeah. I was taking care of my body, but you know, she introduced me to that world. And yeah. our first year being together, no, I'm sorry. When we got married in 2014, she was like, I'm sending you to this place called Enlightened Warrior. And I'm like, what the heck is Enlightened Warrior? She was like, you will find out. And I was like, okay, <laughs> so I went to this Enlightened Warrior camp in British Columbia, Vancouver, for like a week. And it was all mindset, all personal development. Yeah. And it opened me up to a new world. I was like, wow. Like my mind was blown that week. And I came back. I was like, that was the best thing I've ever experienced in my life. I've never experienced anything like that ever before like it opened me up in so many ways like i've been so close-minded on things and she implanted that like yo, you need to do personal development you need to develop your mind every single day to grow because i'm gonna be growing and i need you to grow with me oh for sure yeah how powerful is that it's i'm gonna be growing every day kai and if you can't keep up I'm not Don't sure if it, it doesn't work out. I think it because,
0: works. Oh. Carrie and I went through that for sure. I mean, she was raised in, in a personal development household. Her dad used to work for Tony Robbins oh, for okay. a hot minute, and, you know, she learned transcendental meditation when she was nine and, and got her, you know, her sitting mantra when she was like 11 and, you know, she met me and I mean, I was a hot mess. Like, you know, when I met my wife, I was actually in the process of selling everything I owned and I was going to drive cross country because I couldn't get into the military. I tried to get into the Air Force. And back then you had to have like a clean record and, you know, you had to have, you know, be like an upstanding citizen. And mm-hmm. they were like, yeah, no, you can't go in the Air Force right now. Like you, you got too much. You got too much baggage, young man. And so I was like, screw it. I'm just going to go like personal development for me was like the farthest thing from my mind. I mean, I was 21, you know, I think I was 21 when I met Carrie. And she brought a whole different level of like mindset and mental. And it still took me 10 years to like get on board. Like I fought it tooth and nail, but she wouldn't go away. So, so, you know, and thankfully, so like I best thing that ever happened to me. And I remember uh, her dad at one point was asking me because I joined her in doTERRA as well. And Mm -hmm. he was asking me like, you're really going to get into this thing. And I was like, bro, the train has left the station. Like I got two choices. I either get on board or get I get on left one. behind. Yeah. <laughs> like this, this, this is just all there is to it. Like I'm either going to be all in and and this woman stood by me when everything was falling apart and and so the least I could do is like jump on board and see where she takes it. Like so far she's been all right. <laughs> she's just figured <Right>. it out. <laughs> right? right? And it's so funny cuz I had friends of mine that were like well, what's that like to be your wife's assistant? Or like, what's that, you know, like she makes all the money. And I'm like, I I don't have an issue with that. Like, I'm happy to be in partnership with her. It's not a competition. Right. Like, and it's so crazy because I don't think, I don't, I feel like so many people read the books, but they don't do anything with them. Like, it's one thing you can read the passage, but if you don't meditate on it, if you don't put it into action, if you don't reflect back and go, what does this really mean? Then- That's not personal development. That's just that's just like watching Netflix. I don't know what I don't know what you know. It's just entertainment. It's not work, and it should be work.
1: I agree, totally agree. And um, it became, you know, something that I really gravitated to. Um, I, I gravitated to. The work, because as much as I gravitated to what I was learning, uh, listening to audio, reading books, uh, going to retreats, going to seminars, it was helping me in my marriage. Mm -hmm. Because you married Carrie when you guys were younger. Yeah. You didn't get married until like... This is my wife's second marriage. I'm her second marriage. But we didn't get married until later in life. So I'm pretty much set in my ways. You kind of are who you are. Zia was set in her ways. And we had to figure that out at the later stages in life on making that work and being, you know, we knew we loved each other immensely. But we had to really work hard and figure out the dynamic of who we are as individuals and who we yeah. were as a couple together.
0: And you guys are pretty different
1: people. Yeah, we are. Like, we are. Like you know, like, you know my um, my wife is very reserved, and you know, she's 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 always studying, and yeah, she's
0: an observer. I I, I see her
1: always observing doing this. Where I'm like out there. I'm like I'm always out there. Go go go. Like, yeah, I'm always go go go. Uh, you know, I always joke with her because where we live, we live in this beautiful community upstate New York when we've been here for almost a year now and she barely knows any neighbors and I know everybody in the neighborhood. So you probably know everybody
0: in the neighborhood on your block on the next block over.
1: (laughs) We're just different like that. Um, And I love the dynamic of, you know, it's, it's this fire and desire that we have together. And what's funny is Emily that's Emily Wright who is you know one of the founding partners in doTERRA she's like i love with each of you bring on stage and when you put that together it's like because it's so yeah. different and you're giving the audience two separate things in one shot yeah so and i'm like wow okay I, can I see think that. it's
0: pretty fascinating when you find a couple. And I like to think that Carrie and I fit this mold where the the sum of the two is greater than like the sum of the parts, right? Like like there's not that there isn't any because you have your own things that you're into and 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 I definitely want to talk about some of those. And Zia has things that she's into, uh-huh. and you each have your unique gifts. But much like everyone knows Keith and Carrie. Uh-huh. in that universe everyone knows kai and zia like you don't hear a lot of people going well you know Zia is doing this and kai's doing that it's like kai and Zia are doing that kai and Zia, right, are doing right, right. that yeah and it's the same thing with carrie and i because i think we do the same thing where you know i haven't had the pleasure of emily Wright sharing it with me but we when we go places It's I'm the reserved one. I'm the worker bee. I'm the one getting things done and carries the boisterous, fun, Uh energetic, Uh more like we're, so we have that similar dynamic where there are so many things that I don't do well that she does Uh that help make me whole. And the same as the, the reverse is the same for her. Like the things that she doesn't really do well, I do great. And so the two of us together can accomplish so much more. And, like, we were lucky enough to grow into that.
1: Yeah, you know, like, you know what I call that, Keith? You have what we have, and we call that, that's called a Voltron unity. <laughs> nice. We have a Voltron unity. I will take it. Remember Voltron? I, uh-huh. they,
0: my, yeah, my wife's got no idea what you're talking they, about, but you know, I do.
1: They used to stack on it and make that's one it. big, giant, that's what you, it's called the Voltron unity, where, you know, you're great, she's great, but when you come together, it's like, power like yep. boom same thing with Zia and i you know when we she's amazing at as herself as an individual i'm amazing yeah. at an individual, but when we come together it's like bah!
0: yeah and
1: i want to say also that you know i i really want to say how important the personal development was for myself and for zia and our marriage because it was like i said it was really tough in the beginning and people see us like this amazing couple and. You guys never argue. No, we it was struggles in the beginning. (laughs) Like I was wondering if we were gonna make it at time. Yeah. You know, it was really tough. Same. Same. And and personal development of us learning who we were. Yeah. As individuals and then learning who we were together, that really helped us get through those patches and those thunderstorms. And you know, now we're at a place where it's like it's like fire, but yeah. beginning woo, I didn't know if we were going to make it and yeah. people saw the exterior of that we were always happy we we're always having yeah. fun together at events but on the inside we were like Urgh. right
0: you, know. you get back you get back to the back to the house and you're like all right that's your wing this is my wing yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't want to we ain't talking the long quiet car ride home where nobody yeah,
1: we had to figure oh. that out and I'm so happy yeah. that you did that you know I think uh-huh. it's
0: crazy how quickly people are to abandon partnerships. Like we have this just absolute mythological idea of what marriage is. Cause it isn't easy. It's, it, it, takes work. It's a partnership. And like, you look at any good partnership, there's give and there's take. And like, I look at it almost, not to like take out the romanticism or the emotion of it, but if you enter into a business relationship, if you and I enter into a business partnership together, you go home and you, you're you your own person and I go home and I'm my own person, mm-hmm. but we still create this thing together. And I feel like a lot of married couples don't recognize like the individuality of the other person and recognize that Like, it's not, it's not this, the honeymoon for 30 years. Like that's just impossible. Mm-hmm. Like you gotta be able to, to be an individual and sit down, like Carrie and I, we schedule time to like strategically plan how we raise our kids. What mm-hmm. what is what does success look like in that? We don't just, and we have knocked down drag about it sometimes. Cause she's like, well, I don't want to do this. And I'm like, well, I don't have a problem with that. And like, it's work. It's constantly figuring out what that looks like. And I think it's so important that people like yourself model that for other men. And share that like outwardly we look amazing. It's all great. But like, look, we do de- and I think that's important too, because like you don't want to air your dirty laundry out in public. Like that's not necessary. Well, you know, that, hey. that that doesn't respect anybody, right? right? But to share with people, like, hey, behind closed doors, we gotta work on this. This ain't this well, don't yeah. just happen. We don't roll out of bed and like everything's great.
1: Oh, well, yeah. You know, we well, gotta yeah. work we- on that. And like you just said, you know, so many couples are quick to wave the white flag and throw it in. Whereas, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it takes work. And You know, if you want to get better at basketball, you get a what? You get a basketball coach. You yep. want to get better at football, you get a football coach. You know, if you're having trouble in your marriage, if you're having trouble in your sex life and marriage, get a sex coach you yeah. know if you're having trouble with the marriage you get a, ma- a marriage you know a marriage yeah coach, a marital coach and you know yeah people realize that sometimes you need an exterior factor to help out where yeah. the problems are because you guys are not you guys are seeing you guys know there's a problem but you guys can't figure it out, and you, sometimes you need someone on the yeah. outside to come in and be like, "Okay, this yeah. is what's going on," and that's what we had to do, and in the beginning, and I was like, initially, the man, <laughs> we don't why sex why? coach, sex, why okay. what, yeah, you yep. know how long I've been doing this, <laughs> right. I just, Damn, I ain't got no complaints. What are you talking about? Like, that, no complaints, and. Yep. That's the first thing that I would say and that's the first thing I said I, I never had no complaints and you know it was it had, it, it dawned on me like I'm dealing with a different woman right here. yeah I'm feeling this woman is an individual who is having issues and we need to figure it out and maybe I am doing something that I need to learn differently.
0: yeah when you know we
1: what's- did, and we did that and it helped. And it worked and I'm so grateful for the coaching and for all the stuff that came into it because we're so much stronger from it now that we're so strong now that it would have to take something catastrophic to break us up. So, yeah,
0: I think it's, I think it's interesting because when you talk about getting a coach or you talk about bringing in like a therapist or a, a counselor or a coach or a mentor, a lot of times people think, well, then, but nothing's wrong with me. Right. Yeah. And it's like, you're right. Nothing is wrong with you. What you're doing is fine. Can it be better? And could it be different even like, like maybe what, what you're dealing with as a couple. And I don't, you know, I don't know your situation, you know, in, in specifics, but like maybe you're not doing, or I'm not doing anything wrong in my relationship but I could be doing something different that makes it better for her, right? Right. And like, what I want is her to live her best life and her to have the best experience. And she wants that for me. So it doesn't mean that if I do something differently, that how I was doing it previously is wrong. It just means that for me in partnership with this other person, I got to behave a little different. I got to act a little different. And we get so hung up on like, but I'm right. Like, that's how I do. And it's like, well, okay, that's cool but how's that working for you in your relationships? If they're falling apart, like do you want to be right? Or do you want to be in partnership? Exactly. Like it's so crazy to me how, I don't know if it's like, do you think that's fear or do you think that's
1: ego? Ego. Ego, male ego. You know, not wanting to show, that side of them, that one, maybe they could be wrong. Uh, God forbid, that, you're wrong once in a while. You know that she or somebody else could possibly teach them something that they don't already know. Mm. Yeah, um, you know, it's it's all we're always learning every single day, and I tell. My team, I tell everybody, if you're not growing, you're dying. That's it. If you're not growing, you're dying. Plain and simple. Yeah. I'm not talking about a physical death. I'm talking about you're dying inside and you don't even realize it. So that's why it's so important to, you know, let that wall down. We need to let that wall down as men. Yeah. You know, it's just there's nothing wrong about having that masculine, ah, but you also have that the feminine side, which is the compassionate side, which is the vulnerable side. And a lot of men don't want to show that side. Yeah. Every man has it in them, but a lot of men will refuse to let that come to light. Yeah. And once that comes to light, and your partner sees that, wow, you're going to see a big difference in your relationship with, you know, with just women in general, not just your partner, but female family members, friends, you have to show that other side of you. And that has nothing about being soft or, Mm -hmm. you know, losing your bravado it, yeah, you still have that, but you have to show both sides.
0: Yeah, Peter, I think it people. takes more courage. It takes more courage to open up and be honest about what's happening than it does to stuff it down
1: because yeah. we were taught
0: to stuff it down. It's easy to for That's me, it's easy. Thought. It's easy to stuff it down. It's hard. It's hard to get raw and be like, you all right, look, like, here's what's happening. You
1: happened. better not cry. You fell down, get up, yeah, wipe your knees off. You better not, sh- I better not see tears out your eyes. Yeah. We've been told to hold since we were
0: little to hold stuff in. Yeah. Yeah. And that's you, just it. So that's easy. That's
1: exactly. so, so, years old.
0: Yep. And you hold those tears back because you don't want to yep. get hit. Yep. And you hold it Shoulders all in. back. Shoulders back. <laughs>
1: Shoulders back. <laughs> yep. You know, that's how we've been taught.
0: Yeah. Well, it's time to yeah, it's time I to shift that. that narrative, man. And it, it really is time. So I know that you got a thing, uh, that you are in partnership with, with a couple of good friends of mine and some other gentlemen that I haven't gotten the pleasure to meet yet. Yeah. Called real men. Yeah. R E Y L.
1: R E Y L. -L, Recommit every day you live. Yes. Real powerful. Started um, by the brain. It's the brainchild of good friend of ours, John Bush. Yep. Um, and
0: he's coming on here eventually. I keep trying to get him scheduled, but he's so busy launching this thing. I I can't, yeah, he's,
1: he's busy right now trying to launch real, but incredible, incredible, uh, thing that's happening with real that, you know, how we want to just get men, uh, in a different space with each other, you know, a closer space, a more brotherly space, uh, where we're touching on aspects, all aspects, you know, the financial, the spiritual, uh, the physical, All of that, we want to touch on all these segments where we're unified as one, where we can count on each other, where we can learn from each other, where we can grow with each other. You know, um, my success is your success. You know, not my success is, ha ha, I'm leaving you behind. No, my success is your success. As I grow, you grow. Yeah. As I learn, you learn. As I teach, you teach, and we want to disconnect with strong men in a community where, you know, similar to shift, you know, it's all about, yeah. you know, connecting men to a higher plane, because there's so much more at any stage, at any game that we can continue to learn in life, and yeah. why not do that with other men who have the same um, ideals uh, the same, uh, goals, the same, they want the same successes in life and share that together as a brotherhood.
0: Yeah. I love it. I'm excited to be a part of it. Uh, I think if you're looking for something that will help you to dive into the areas that we've talked about, right? Like talked about getting vulnerable, talked about taking accountability for your stuff, talked about working through becoming a better husband, father, just human being. It's Mm -hmm. worth taking a look at, uh, yeah. Online courses for now. There's a bunch of online content coming. Yes. I know. Uh, there, there's already been a couple of like the podcast is up and live. Yes. Um, uh, I talked to John last week. I'm doing a I'm doing a talk. I think next week or the week after with him and a couple other people uh, about addiction. Uh, I'm going to share my story about getting sober and what that looked like. And so I'm excited to be a part of that. And, and I'm so grateful that you guys
1: put that thing together. And you know, and, and my my dream for the future is combining the two for an event. Are you ready to shift for real? It's happening.
0: I like it. (laughs) I I love it. You heard it here first.
1: Shift for real. I love it. Have a major event and just collaborate and just have something.
0: Yeah. There's something to be said about doing that stuff in person too. Like I remember the first retreat that I went on, to that really kicked off the personal development journey for me. uh, I had another, another male in the room. It was, it was, it wasn't a a men's retreat. It was a co-ed kind of thing. And one of the men that were there who, you know, kind of called me out and I didn't know him really well enough to, to have him calling me out yet. Like, but he kind of called me out and was like, Hey, you need to learn about this or that. And he's like, I got just the guy for you. And he introduced me to a guy named uh, Justin Lee and Hmm. And Justin taught me a tool to help with, with some of my issues, some of the things that I didn't know that I needed to deal with. And by the end of the day, that dude had me in tears. Yeah. I mean, I was sobbing. I was just breaking down. And I remember I was walking down the hall and Justin came around the corner and I turned around to go the other way. Cause I didn't want to see him. I didn't want to like talk to him. I didn't want to have to like go deeper. And I turned around to go the other way from him And the hallway was blocked because there was a group of people standing there talking. So I had no choice but to like go towards him. And we just got, we got right up up to each other and he just put his arms around me. He could tell I was in pain and he just, you know, told me he was going to be all right. And put his, and I was, it was the first time i had had another man in my life, like really be emotionally present, care. And I had met this dude like six hours ago. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. I was like, what is this cult? (laughs) What is going on? Right. Like people who were loving on each other and just emotionally there. And that was like the first really powerful experience I had in doing personal development, where it was like, okay, this sucked. This, like, you know, generational stuff that I'm dealing with hurts. And I've never felt more cared for. And I, I just wanted more. I wanted to go, okay, if this is what happens when I deal with my stuff, then, then let's deal with all of it. Yeah. And it's been the best journey. And so I hope that anyone who's listening and who catches this can recognize that whether you think you need it or you don't, you do. Moving into personal development moving into clearing out your own stuff is the best thing that you can do for your partner, whether you're married or not. Now, like girlfriend, boyfriend, future mm-hmm. spouse, your mm-hmm. children, future children, it'll heal the relationship with your parents. Like yeah. that was the thing for me. Like I had I had deep stuff that I was able to resolve with my parents that I didn't think would ever get resolved. Like I just expected they would pass away someday and I wouldn't care. And, and you know, while it, we're by no means like you and your father were, you know, it, it, the reality though is that a lot of that, if not all of what what, what I went through is healed because I went through it i didn't try to dance around it we didn't try to hide from it. we just got in it, yeah it's so important so I love that you brought that up, man. I appreciate it so much um Absolutely. let's uh let's lighten it up a little bit a little rapid fire uh tell me tell me what's the best hundred bucks that you spent in the last year
1: oh. Best hundred bucks I spent in the last year. Wow, I haven't been many, been many places. <laughs> Besides,
0: it's either going to be something to do with fishing, something to do with motorcycles. I'm serious, <laughs> or that Jeep, that monster Jeep of yours that you got parked out front.
1: <laughs> I would have to say, and it does have to do with fishing. Um, I bought this reel that I really wanted that I had my eye on last summer. So I was like, I'm definitely getting it for this summer. So I, d- I bought this spin reel. Um, I'm a fly fisherman, but um, I usually, I, I go back and forth between the fly and the spin, and there was a spin reel that I really wanted that I was like, I'm definitely getting it for this summer. So I'm ready to go with this new spin So you're ready, reel. you haven't used it yet. you ready to roll? I haven't used it yet. It's still, it's still I gotta, <laughs> you put, I, I still need to spool it with the line. I have it, It's fresh in the box. I
0: don't I know what wait. any of that is you just said, but... <laughs> <laughs> it put a smile on your face, so that's good. I am so far from fishing; I don't like. Gonna I take love,
1: fishing, brother. Oh, that,
0: that's I'm gonna, gonna be a hard sell. One day are we
1: gonna go. Are we uh, gotta get I, it in. I, I, look, I'm open to
0: it. I decided that I would live my life and say yes to the things that I've never done. Outside of like jumping out of a plane, that that's not happening. Um, but I'm down to go. Just know that I will. I will probably bitch and moan the first part of the because just fishing, just. I never understood it. So maybe you could help me understand. Maybe you could teach me how that's fun. Absolutely. Cause I, Absolutely. I mean, I'll hang out with you. I'll just go to hang out with you. Like that's what's so funny that's is you're the be second
1: beyond every beyond the fishing this with yeah. me too. Together we'll and we happen. That's, that's joy yeah. itself.
0: This is funny though. Cause like you're the second person on the podcast and it's pretty fresh. So that's, that's a good average who is like super indeficient. And the second person here who met their spouse on Match.com. Oh
1: so wow! I'm gonna okay. have
0: to hit up Match. I'm looking for <laughs> sponsors. If y'all are listening, uh, clearly my guests, uh you know, love to use your service, so you should come. It um, works. It works. It sounds like it works because two it of my works. favorite people.
1: Match, send me a check, please. <laughs> send me oh, some. Right. Get it. It. Match. Send, write me a check, man. Give me a. Give me a
0: book that you think every. Let's go with man. Let's go with a book that you think every man should read. Something that shifted you in a big way.
1: Way of the Superior Man. Okay. Powerful, powerful book that just. And what's funny is my wife was like, You need to read this book. And I'm like, Really? She's like, Yeah, you need to read Way of the Superior Man. And I read this book cover to cover and that book deep dives into the into the masculine and feminine. Okay. What's your
0: biggest takeaway from it?
1: Uh, this that we have to relate to our ladies, our women differently. Like they're a different species. They're a delicate species, a powerful species. Um and a very intelligent women are intelligent mm. and if you don't come with either equal intelligence, you will lose that lady. you have to come with equal intelligence and when it comes to difficult situations, if you guard, Is always up in your relationship, and you feel that you're always right, you're doomed. You're really doomed. And that relationship is on a one way ticket to ending. You have to have enough communication. And that's where we fall short as men. If you ask 10 out of 10 women, Mm -hmm. what's the problem in their relationship? And they will say, my partner does not communicate with me. He does not know how to communicate. And I would say, out of those 10, seven or eight, I would say eight women will say, my man just doesn't know how to talk to me. He doesn't talk much and doesn't share his feelings. He doesn't like to talk and he holds everything in. So once we learn to communicate with our women, mm-hmm. things start to open up. Like it, it really opens up Pandora's box of goodness where she learns about you and she's willing now. Now she feels safe. And that's what a lot of women don't feel with their men is safe because a lot of men don't communicate. So women are like, you hold everything in, you're not sharing. I don't feel 100% safe giving you 100% of me. And a lot of women don't give their men 100% of them because they don't feel safe in the relationship. Once they feel safe, there will be no reason for you to look anywhere else because that woman will give you and show you everything that you would want to see in a woman. So be vulnerable, communicate. And the superior man really touches on that. Communication and that vulnerability part and having displaying not only the masculine side, but also that feminine side. And don't be scared of that word, man, the word feminine, because we we all have it inside of us, whether you choose to believe it or not. And, you know, that doesn't mean feminine where, you know, you're putting on a dress or you do have feminine ways. No, yeah. that means that you're you're able to be vulnerable with someone. You're able to have compassion with someone. And you're able to communicate with someone on a different level.
0: I love it so good I think that's a really great place to wrap it up because you just drop like that's it summed it all up Yeah, so, I love it I love it so good and I'm so grateful for you and all that you've taught me and the the example that you set and that you and your wife set I love watching your story I have missed you we have not seen each other in too long and so hopefully uh, hopefully things loosen up and we can change that because uh, I definitely uh, want to see you and your family. And so with that, we're going to wrap this one up and put it to bed. Check out realmen.com, R-E-Y-L, Recommit Every Day You Live. Yep. Check out The Way of the Superior Man if you want to yep. take control and tap into your vulnerability and your masculine and feminine side because yep. we all have both. So listen to Kai, he knows what he's talking about.